And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are studying the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 20. But before we get into our 20 million movement, so join 20 million other people who are all studying the same passage of the Bible all around the world, we have a clue for our quiz. We may be running a tab behind schedule on our 20 million move, but we're going to catch up. Yes, indeed. We, we usually do. Uh, but yeah, our quiz, Lyle has figured out our quiz. There's no longer two prizes in the running for this uh, because still win the prize uh, who am I my brother is Simon Peter mm-hmm. there you go mm-hmm. who was Peter's brother yes indeed very and easy you will have the answer to the quiz and there will be a prize coming your way give us a call you know what our number is 1-800-324-843 otherwise known as 1-800-FAITH-FM okay Acts chapter 20 let's get into it we, we actually talked about this in question time but just in case you missed question time a couple of a little about a week ago we're going to go through it again. It's a really good passage. Yeah. Or you could just jump on IGTV and uh, check out our and question cheat. and answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Acts chapter 20. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Acts chapter 20 and we will look. Uh, why don't we start reading in verse 7? On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lights. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Okay, that's a great story that we have right here. Super exciting Uh story. The thing that makes this story interesting is that it is often raised as a question as to why they were meeting on the first day of the week and why they were sharing the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Why were they having communion on the first day of the week? This is raised as a question as to doesn't this indicate that the day of worship had already changed and they were worshipping on the first day of the week in honour of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And this was the question that came in for us in question time about a week ago. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. I mean, there's a great story here about a miracle that takes place, a young man who is raised from the dead. We're going to go back to verse 7 and we're going to discuss this uh, other, other question because it is one that comes up on occasions where it says on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. We're going to stop right there for a moment. You've got two different translations here. I just read from the King James Version. You read from the New Living Translation, which is a more interpretive translation and less word-for-word. Mm-hmm. The word-for-word translation is going to uh, render this that they were simply gathering together to break bread. Yep. Many people assume that because when Jesus held the communion service, he broke bread and handed it out to the disciples, that this then is speaking of the communion service. Mm-hmm. Particularly because when we have communion at church, um, in, your, in your typical Protestant evangelical church, you'll find the, uh, the pastors and the elders, whoever's involved in it, actually physically breaking off chunks of bread rather than slicing it up as we would in more modern society. This is not actually... True. This is not actually a reference to necessarily a communion service. Oh, really? The term breaking bread was a term that was simply used to describe eating. Okay. And so you can look throughout the Bible, wherever you find, in many places where you find Jesus eating, he's breaking bread. So the Bible talks about, for instance, when he fed the 5,000, he broke bread. 
and shared it out amongst them. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, when Paul, in his shipwreck, and they were hungry, he broke bread and fed the sailors on the, on the ship. Uh, so breaking bread is not a reference to the communion service per se, it is a reference to having a meal. So that's the first thing that we need to notice. They are gathered together on the first day of the week to have a meal. They do have a worship service, and it is the first day of the week. There are a couple of questions that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, and, 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 and the first question is, is, is simply this. Is this a command to worship on the first day of the week? That's the question we need to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the question that comes along with that is this one. Is there any command in Scripture to worship on the first day of the week? And there's none. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a command to worship on the seventh day. There is no command anywhere in the Bible to worship on the first day of the week. Whatsoever, at all. Just There simply does not exist. We've actually uh, issued a challenge with, with a we monetary have. value attached to it. Yeah. So uh, any of our listeners can win themselves $1,000 if they can provide a Bible verse stating uh, the command to worship on the first day on the Sunday. Absolutely. And uh, that, that, that uh, challenge has been out there for a very, very long time now. We've had some uh, fantastic yep. email discussions yep. with various people who have been discussing this issue and maybe trying to find a way to win that mm-hmm. uh, $1,000. But... Uh, uh, if you can find that verse anywhere in the Bible, I can show you plenty of verses giving you a command to worship on the seventh day of the week. What we want want you to do is find one that says to worship on the first day of the week. That's right. Yeah. In fact, we had somebody who said, oh, you know, you, you, you made your challenge too specific. You know, because principles are taught in the Bible. You shouldn't have worded it as a verse that says. The reason that I worded it a verse that says is because when it comes to the Sabbath, I can give you a verse that says. Yeah. When yeah, it comes absolutely. to Sunday, you can't. That's right. And if you can, there's a thousand dollars coming your way. There's, I can't believe they complained about being specific. I mean, God was specific when He gave yeah, the that's commandment. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so a little bit more context here. Um, yes, they are worshiping on the first day of the week. Is there any problem with worshiping on the first day of the week? No. Does God say, "Thou shalt not worship on the first day of the week"? Nope. God tells us we must worship God every day. We're going to talk more about this in Question Time tomorrow. What has happened is Christians have lost the concept of what it means to have a day of worship. And because they've lost the concept of what it means to have a day of worship, they look at a day of worship as just being going to church. Okay, so what does it mean to have and the so concept then, of day of worship? And so then it's like, well, we worship on every day. What difference does it make? So what does it mean then? To have a day of worship? Yeah. It means to literally have a day that you spend worshiping God. Okay. Yeah. I'll talk more about it in question time tomorrow, mm-hmm. but uh, this is a day, the Bible says, um, that we should not work. We don't do our business on that day. It's a day of rest. It's the best day ever because mm. like God gives you a public holiday. This is the, this is the ultimate Jomo right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, joy of missing, of, uh, of missing out, joy mm. of being disconnected from the world. God knew that our world is a stressful place. He knew God we needed JOMO. He knew that we would need JOMO. And God gave us a circuit breaker every week, an entire day where we can just switch off from the world and it just doesn't what happen. It doesn't matter what happens on this day, it can wait until tomorrow. That's right. And uh, it's like it's a day where you don't do business. It's a day where you don't work. It's a day where you, you, you rest and relax and have time with friends, with family. You reconnect with each other. But most of all, you reconnect with God. Mm-hmm. 
because Christians have lost that, you know, your typical Christian sort of just sort of goes to church on uh, Sunday morning and then the rest of Sunday is like, well, whatever kind of day. They watch the footy or they um, go and work on their car or they go uh, shopping, in the go city. shopping mm-hmm. or go back to work or mow the lawns or whatever. It's just an, another day like any other day. Then uh, the whole concept of having a day of worship has lost its relevancy and so therefore they're like, well, we worship on every day. Okay, we're supposed to worship on every day. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between worshipping on a day and having a day of worship. Ah, I see. That's the point. Okay, yeah. That's the point. Okay, so here's another thought. Um, it had been revealed to Paul through prophecy that he would never see these people again. Oh, that's kind of sad. So you can imagine, and this is his last day with them. Yeah, they're trying to milk every moment. They're trying to milk every moment. The point of this story is not to tell us about Sunday being a day of worship. The point of this story is not a discussion about what day of the week is a day of worship? The point of the story is a discussion about Eutychus being raised from the dead, which is a great story. Yeah, it is. Uh, the next point that we need to notice is a clue that most people skip over. Oh, The Bible says there were lights on in the upper chamber. They turned the lights on or lit the candles. Yeah, mine says the upstairs room where they met was lighted with many flickering lamps. Okay. Mm, quite poetic there. Yeah. Gives you a, a great sense of ambience. Yeah, yeah, because it's a good visual. Yeah. Okay, so if there were lights on in the upper chamber, was this the dark part of the day or the light part of the day? Well, you, you turn on the lights when it's dark. Exactly. Yeah. Particularly, <laughs> we know that this building had windows because Eutychus was sitting in one and yeah. fell out of it. It, was a, it must have been a pretty big window for someone to fall out of it. So yeah. it was not like it's a tiny little window. Absolutely. Nice big window right there. And he's sitting up in the window, comfortable place to sit, you know, lean back against the window frame. The window is obviously open, you know, balmy, warm evening. Mm-hmm. You get some of those in Turkey and uh, Paul preaches until midnight, the Bible says. He goes to sleep and falls out. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so here's a question for you, Mon. According to the Bible, mm-hmm. when does the day start? Oh, Bible Day started um, at sunset. That's right. Yeah. And when do they finish? At sunset. Exact twenty-four hour period yeah. every day. All right. Yeah, because so you don't have clocks and like you know sunshine looks the same throughout the day. It's the sunrise and the sunset that are the ones that sort of you can tell something different's happening in the sky. Let's put the picture here together. So far, what we have. Mm-hmm. If Paul is preaching until midnight, yeah, and they have had a meal and then lit lamps, yeah. What part of the day is this? This is the dark part, right? Right, yeah. So when would this actually be taking place in what in our modern times? Like a, like in between sunset and sunrise in the night time. Like, yes, yeah, yes, midnight yes, and time. yes. So would this be Sunday night or Saturday night? Uh, if they've lit the lamps and had a meal in the dark, it would be Saturday night. Saturday night, that's yep. right. Absolutely. So here's what's happened. They've had their, their Sabbath worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sabbath comes to an end. They share a meal together. Yeah. Um, wonderful thing to do, you know, finish the Sabbath. Paul starts to preach and they're like, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. So he just keeps preaching. This is Saturday night now. He, he, and the reason they keep him preaching is because they know that they'll never see him again. Yeah. At midnight, Eutychus goes to sleep, falls out of the window. Paul uh, raises him from the dead. They then come back up to the upper room. They worship God until the morning. And then Paul hikes about 40 kilometers to uh, catch his ship the next uh, during that that next day, didn't they have like breakfast? Oh yes, they had breakfast. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and then they hiked. Up. Yeah, he hiked. Okay, up. so apart from admiring Paul's stamina mm. here, 
there are a number of points. First of all, this is an indication that Sunday is definitely not a day of worship. A day of worship is not somewhere where you hike out to catch a ship. Yes, yeah, right. A very, very strenuous hike, I should say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a really clear indication that, number one, it is not a day of worship and it is a very clear indication of how not to keep a day of worship. Really, the story is exemplary on how to... Work. Yeah, so they've simply, they've simply worshipped together on the Sabbath. They continue their worship into the evening. Um, there's a miracle take, takes place and then Paul goes to catch his ship on Sunday during the day. Simple as that. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing here about uh, yeah. worshipping on the Yeah. I wonder why people get, get confused. And I, think, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. It's strange. Yeah. Mm. It's like, oh, here's the greatest text in the Bible to show that we should worship on the first day of the week. Well, if that's mm. the best one you've got, uh, you are in trouble. And the story hasn't even got anything to do really about the Sabbath or Sunday. It's all about no. Eutychus and rising from the dead. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. We would love to hear from you or give us a text on 0491-064-669 if you would like to send something in for question of the day. Now, question of the day, it will come back in a little bit later this week because we've got a bit of a backlog that we're working through. But we will get through them one at a time. All right, so where are we up to? We are in Acts chapter nineteen, and let's sorry, Acts chapter twenty. We need to we need to move on, Mon. So we want to talk about uh, Paul meeting the Ephesian elders, verse thirteen. Yeah, let's 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 go. Let's yep 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 yep. Let's do that. Okay, Paul went by land to Assos, where he had arranged for us to join them uh, while we travelled by ship. He joined us there and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we sailed off to the island of Chios. The following day we crossed to the island of Samos and a day later we arrived at Miletus. Ah, he's doing a tour of the Greek islands there, Mon. Sounds right, doesn't it? I would so love to go on with him. (laughs) Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the Festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. He could just stay away. He could. He just couldn't stay away, could he? Yeah, no, he couldn't. Yeah. When they arrived, he declared, "You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes." I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and my many tears for you. 
And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart from himself. I have never coveted another silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Mm, Okay, so there you go. There you've got the uh, little farewell speech. speech. What's the main point of the speech there, Mon? Well, he exhorts them to stay true to God and and, uh, and not be led astray by false teachers. There's a number of uh, things that he actually... And he also defends himself once again. That's... Yeah. yeah, As his... Because he's about to head off to Jerusalem mm-hmm. where he's held in a, f- in a certain level of suspicion. Yeah, as always. His yeah, entire he's, career. He's a self-supporting, uh, he's a self-supporting apostle here. That's and, it. and at church headquarters, it's like, eh, what's mm-hmm. going on here with Paul? Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. And uh, we look here, um, you know, we're just working our way through it. There's also a number of other emphases that, that he has. You know, he talks about the persecution that he suffered. He talks about the trials that he has gone through. He talks about, you know, how challenging and difficult it will be for them to maintain their Christianity, and of course, exhorts them to do so in the midst of, you know, trial, temptation, tribulation, and to stay true to God and to, uh, you know, to serve God with a true heart and with love. It's actually a very touching speech. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. Of course, I think this is probably Luke's shorthand version, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't really ask them, the elders from Ephesus to travel all the way down there to deliver a speech that, you know, Mon read in, what, three minutes? Yeah. Uh, they've traveled a long way, but, you know, Luke has recorded for us the basics of that. Maybe this was the... Uh, the crux of the speech, yeah. and then they just, you know, this was the one that he prepared, and uh, this was the one that he delivered, and then, of course, they spent a lot of time, you know, hanging out and just encouraging each other and, and praying, praying together. together and, yeah. yeah. A wonderful way to keep moving on. Speaking of moving on, Mon, mm-hmm. we need to keep moving on because we need to catch up. We do. We're a little bit behind. A little bit. <laughs> Let's go. Where are we up to? Uh, that brought us to the end of Chapter 20. Okay, so let's uh, let's skip a few verses now. Um, well, actually, now let's read verses. Uh, yeah, just keep reading, Mon. Just keep reading. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day, we reached Rhodes and then on to Petara. There, we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passing it on our left, and landed at the harbour of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload its cargo. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul would not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the to the ship, wait, 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 that he would not or should not. Also, that he should not go on to Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say he definitely went to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bad. if this was a prophecy, it was a false one. Yeah. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went abroad, and they returned home. It's amazing, isn't it? Everywhere yeah. Paul goes, uh-huh. you know, 
he is he is loved, he is valued, mm-hmm. and people just uh, are, you know the whole congregation comes out to, yeah, they see to him say off. goodbye yeah, to see yeah. him off. That's really special, and it, it shows the high esteem that the world had for Paul, a much higher esteem than what he found when he went down to Jerusalem, which is a bit sad, really. It's, Very it, sad. It shows that, um, you know, even in the early parts of Christianity, Christian, the Christian church was run by human beings. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back in a moment. Oh, King of kings, King of kings, we before you, Father, I Asking for peace in the rest of the country. Lord of Lords, we kneel before you, Father, appealing. Asking for peace in the rest of the country. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Our Father, our Father. Asking for peace in the world. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Our Father, our Father, we are asking for peace in the world. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, reveal yourself. Because we are directing to you, to you, to Almighty. We are directing to you forever, Almighty. The sun rise and set, set and set, rise and set, forever, Almighty. Your promise, our Father, set fear down low. For I am with thee, be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee. With my right hand of my righteousness. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Rise and set forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Almighty. Because we are directing to you forever, Almighty. Because we are directing to you. 
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Ladysmith Black Mambazo. It's one of my all-time favorite bands. Has been since I was a cud. (laughs) Love it. Mon was just, uh, yeah, totally into that one right there and enjoying it all the way through. Do we have any uh, clues left for our quiz? Yes, I do have one last clue left for our quiz. Who am I? I brought a boy with fish and bread to Jesus. We just talked about the fish and the bread. We did. And we the did. breaking of bread and how mm-hmm. the breaking of bread symbolize well, it doesn't symbolize it. It's actually a phrase that simply means having a meal. They yeah. were not having the communion service that there when, when they were feeding the uh, 5,000 with five loaves of bread. No, five fish and two loaves of bread. One of them. Yeah, one of those two. Anyway, let's continue on, Mon, and let's go to Acts chapter 21. And if you can read for us verse 10 through 14, please. We are going to learn about an interesting character, a prophet. And I just like this guy's name. Agabus. Yeah, Agabus. (laughs) It's like just the way it comes out of your mouth. Agabus. Several days later, a a man named Agabus, who had the gift of prophecy, uh, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands it. Then he said, the Lord, sorry, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready to. I am ready not only to be jailed in Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we could not persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Why do you think that Paul wasn't persuaded? God's told him very, very clearly, you're going to be bound or chained up when you get to Jerusalem. Why why, why wouldn't you just take that as a... Sign not to go? Yeah. I don't know, maybe the Lord's letting him know you need to go to Jerusalem, but I'm warning you it's going to be tough. This is one of the things that we need to understand is the difference between a warning and a prophecy. Mm -hmm. This was a prophecy. A warning is, don't do this or this will happen. Yeah. This was a prophecy. You are going to Jerusalem and this is what what is going to happen when you get there. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, and, and Paul was, the the disciples, you know, the, the followers of, uh, of, of Jesus obviously saw this as being a, the a Christians warning. saw this as mm-hmm. being a warning, whereas Paul saw it as being a prophecy. Yeah. He's like, no, if God's called me to go to Jerusalem. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. And one of the things that Paul had been doing was raising, uh, there'd been a famine in Palestine and he'd been raising, you know, disaster relief materials to, um, to help alleviate that famine, and he saw this as a way of building connections between the church that was in Jerusalem and the Gentile church, which was a really important connection to make, one that was never really entirely successfully made. Of course, Christianity went on to become a predominantly Gentile religion, whereas it started out as a pro- predominantly Jewish religion. And so, uh, but he's doing what he can right here. He sees this as an opportunity to connect these churches together. But when he gets there, he is faced with, you know, misunderstanding, maligning, mistreating, and reviled. Um, what can we what can we learn about that, Mon? Well, I'm just trying to figure out who it is that exactly does it to him. Like when you say the church does it to him in Jerusalem, do you mean like the old school, you know, the Jewish religion or like the new Christian? Movement? Talking about Christianity. 
The, so the new Christians were yeah, the ones who did yeah, it. Yeah, they, they were because they were they were well, no, they didn't they didn't chain him up. Not okay, at all. Okay. Not in the least. But they did by their actions eventually kind of, you know, lead down that direction. Of uh, that that they they set in motion a situation that caused him to be arrested in Jerusalem. Would that, I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me. If you think about, you know, the the 12 disciples, the church they set up there in Jerusalem, were they there at this point? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. Okay. Uh, The disciples, of course, we know from a very early period became missionaries who went all over the world. And if there were any of the original 12 that were there in Jerusalem at this time, we don't know. Okay, because you think it wouldn't have happened if one of them yeah, was there's there. A, there's a significant amount of time has passed since. Excuse me. Ooh, bless you, Lyle. <laughs> that one caught me by surprise. <laughs> yeah, and your headset too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it. Uh, you know, a considerable amount of time has passed since the Jerusalem Council in which James was present mm-hmm. and Peter. Mm-hmm. So there's every likelihood. And you know, most most likely that they have you know travelled to many different parts of the world. They they all died as martyrs in different places around the world. So yeah, we don't know. Okay, okay. But yeah, not good things uh, prophesied for where Paul is headed to as he heads down to Jerusalem. But he is determined to go there because God has told him to go there. And if God has told him, then that's what he's going to do. And he's not going to be dissuaded from it, regardless of what happens. And I like his statement here. Where he says, uh, let me just see here. Paul answered, why do you weep and break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die in Jerusalem yeah. for the name of Jesus yeah. Christ. He's, he's all the way in. Yeah, he's, he's signed up. Nothing is going to stop me whatsoever at all. And I think this is one of the things that inspired me so much as I was watching the Voice of the Martyrs movie on Saturday night. You know, the question that goes through my mind is am I all the way in like this? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this happens here in this country, let's say, you know, China comes in and takes over this country, am I going to be doing the kind of things that uh, Richard Wormbrandt was doing? Am I going to stand up and be counted in the way that he was? Yeah. Am I going to preach the gospel or am I going to, you know, regardless of what happens, or am I simply going to wuss out? Yeah. You know, am I going to pray every evening and take a beating because, of course, it was uh, they were beaten every time they prayed, and he prayed every evening. So he was beaten every evening. Wow. You know, and, and we live in a country now where very few people pray every evening. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and there's no beating for it, you know. It's a very, very challenging movie um, and one that I think that, uh, as I've said before, you all need to find a way. If, if you miss out on, if you missed out on the Sydney one, and you don't have another opportunity in Sydney, then you need to contact Voice of the Martyrs and buy the DVD. Absolutely, it uh, it will have a, a really really powerful impact on you. All right, so we need to catch up, Mon. Let's go to Acts twenty one, verse twenty three to twenty six. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. 
So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. Okay, so here's an interesting story. The disciples, the followers of Jesus that were in Jerusalem were obviously, you know, this is the headquarters of the church at this time, were obviously, you know, very, very much attached to being Jewish. They saw Christianity as being a Jewish religion. They had accepted Christ and they were devout followers of Christ who were prepared to give their lives for Jesus Christ. And we need to we need to not underestimate that in any way, shape or form. But because Paul has been preaching to the Gentiles, and of course the Gentiles don't have anything to do with the temple, they're like, why don't you just head along to the temple and you know do this Nazarite vow? You know, it's a it's a uh, purification ritual. There's there's nothing morally wrong with it. Uh, head along there and uh, perform this vow, and it will show that you still respect things that are Jewish. Because a lot of the Jewish Christians have come to the conclusion that you don't respect things that are Jewish, and so Paul decides to do it, and this is what ultimately leads to his arrest. But. We're going to have to wait to get into the, that story yes, in detail. Yes, we'll save that for tomorrow's program for now. <clears throat> this is Mercy Me with the song Even If. And hey, get your phones out. Call 1-800-FAITH-FM because next is our question of the day. Have you have a question? It's time for you to ask it. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, Right now I'm losing back I've stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring
was Mercy Me with Even If here on Faith FM. What have we got for our question of the day, Mon? Yes, we're we are up to our most popular segment. We're, we're, of we're, out of, we're out of quiz clues, aren't we? Uh, yes, we've knocked them all off now. Okay. So question of the day today has come in and it is, uh, Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, right, Lyle? Yes. So doesn't that make Sunday the Sabbath? Well, that's an interesting thought. Okay, so here's what happens. Ooh, there goes my microphone. Just kicked that cord with my foot. All right, <laughs> let's try that again. Here's what happens. Because there is not a single solitary verse anywhere in the Bible that people who on a uh, Sunday as a day of worship can cite as a, a reason as to why they do so, what they then look for is like, well, if Jesus did this once, then doesn't that make it what we should all do? That's not really an argument from Scripture. You know, if there was one solitary verse anywhere in the Bible that says that we should worship on the first day of the week, this is a a discussion that we would never have. It simply wouldn't exist. But because there is no verse, this is why this particular argument is put forward. Now, in the New Testament, there are six places where the Bible references Jesus worshipping with the disciples on the first day of the week after the resurrection. So that sounds initially when you say, like, oh, there's six of them, that must be a lot. However, they are all references to the single, the, the, the one event, and that was the day that he raised, rose from the dead. Okay, so if Jesus rose from the dead on this particular day, then it is natural that the first thing he wants to do is meet with his disciples. And so that's what happens. He finds his disciples, the Bible says, gathered together in the upper room where they were hiding because they were scared that their lives would be the next on the line. They weren't gathering there for a worship service. They were actually hiding. There's a couple of other significant points here uh, that we should note. First of all, there's no command in any of these verses to worship on the first day of the week. Secondly, there is no holiness or sanctity or anything else like that that is attached to the word first day. It's simply called the first day of the week. It's not called the Sabbath. It's not called anything holy whatsoever at all. There's no indication that Jesus has made this anything special. There is no statement by Jesus to make this anything uh, special. Every Every reference to the first day of the week, however, does point us to the fact that it is the day after the Sabbath. So let me give you an example real quick. I'm just going to grab my Bible and we'll go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 23. And I'll read it for you. Verse 54, the Bible says, And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. The women also, which that's the day that Jesus died, the women also, those which came with him from Galilee, followed after and saw the grave and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So we know that Jesus died on Friday. We know that he rested in the grave on the Sabbath day. And then, of course, it goes on. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the grave, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So this is one of the six references to the first day of the week in connection with the resurrection. And so when you when you actually look at this uh, statement right here, it's actually telling you which day of the week is the Sabbath day. It's the one between what we call Good Friday and Easter Sunday. That's the seventh day of the week. And all of the references uh, in connection with the resurrection all 
point to which day is the true Sabbath. Okay, the next point that you need to note is that when we look at the days that Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection, there is no consistency whatsoever at all. So we found that, you know, every week on the first day of the week, Jesus would come and meet with his disciples. Then we'd say, okay, maybe there's a pattern here. It still wouldn't be an argument, but there is no pattern. So, for instance, there are only three references where time is referenced in relationship to the day that Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection. There is the resurrection day when he met with his disciples. Then the Bible speaks about him meeting again with them eight days later. And then the Bible, of course, that's Monday. And then the Bible talks about him meeting with them again 40 days later. And there's no way that that can be the first day of the week. There is another reference to where he meets with them. And if you're going to be consistent, then you're going to have to say that, you know, Jesus has, uh, if he's meeting on the first day of the week every time he meets with his disciples, then the day that he met with his disciples when they were fishing commercially would also be the first day of the week. And that's not exactly how you would uh, have a, a, a day of worship. And so there's no indication here whatsoever at all, anywhere in Scripture, that just because Jesus met with his disciples on the first day of the week, that that is the day that we should worship on. It's actually interesting to note that even in death, Jesus kept the Sabbath. because He was crucified on a Friday. He rested in the grave on Sabbath. And then on Sunday, he rises from the dead and gets back to work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good, good example of how we should, too should keep the Sabbath. Of course, this is going to be part one of a three-part series this week. We've had a big question come in about the Sabbath. And we will be answering more about that tomorrow and on Wednesday as well. So if you have a question, give us a call here. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843.
Hey, do you believe in God? Yeah. Yeah, but is God for real? Mm, yeah. No, I know you believe in God, but is he actually real to you? Or do you feel that something is still missing? Sometimes. If you still have questions about God and life, then why don't you come to the Is God For Real series? Sure, where is it? It's at the Gosford Adventist Church. Begins 7pm Friday, September 7. You can get more information at isgodforreal.com.au. Sweet. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.
You're listening to CC Winans with Never Have to Be Alone here on Faith FM, and we Winans. are about to. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm just reading that it doesn't say it doesn't have good. an e. It's, it's all good. A, it's an all right. a, not an yes, e. Yes, but I'm familiar with the artist, and you're clearly not. Anyway, <laughs> Lyle, we've come yes. to the end of the show, and it's time for us to give away something for free. And uh, I found something in our prize box today, which uh, perfectly goes long. Um, with you know, with our show, with the movie tickets that we're giving away. Um, oh, hang on, we are giving away the movie tickets, aren't we? We're we giving them away tomorrow. I thought we we're giving away today, but we can give a book away if you want. Yeah, let's no, let's, no, we told no, we told people we did tell people to stay tuned oh, to the end of the but program. This book is so good. I okay, know, we'll give away the book tomorrow. Wait. It's gonna have to wait. What's called uh, Champions the, for Truth? No, 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 no. no. This book is I'm called God's Holy Word. Is it still worth dying for? Ooh. Yes, and it talks about martyrdom and, and martyrs and the dark ages and all that. But yeah, let's give away the movie tickets today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you would like to get a uh, two tickets, so two tickets per winner um, to go see Tortured for Christ, the new Voice of the Martyrs film, uh, you can do so Either in Epping, Victoria, or Belmont in Western Australia. Yeah, you can do so by giving us a call right now. One eight hundred Faith FM. Yep, one eight hundred Faith FM. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Call us up, and we'll give up. We've got four tickets, so two winners. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to take our first caller from Victoria and our first caller from Western Australia or our first caller for one of those dates. So if you've got friends there and you want them to go, then you can do that as well. That's exactly correct. Make sure they, they're free that night, of course. But, yeah, uh, yeah, 15th. If you, if you already know they're free because you're going to have to call fast, these tickets went uh, oh, lightning fast, lightning fast last week. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's September the 15th, which is this coming Saturday night. Uh, yeah, Belmont, uh, Western Australia and Epping, Victoria. Instantly two places. On and you do not want to miss this movie. You absolutely need to see it. So uh, 1-800-324-843 is our number. Call right now. Give us a call uh, and stay right there. We have some great programming coming up next. And we, of course, will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. Where are you now when darkness seems to end? Oh, I-